around December 2017, it started going through a boom. And I saw it rose a lot from like summer months to December. And like following cryptocurrency, I was like, all right, I can invest a lot. And that time you could buy on credit card, right? So I had decent amount of limits. I had like whatever, 20K. And I was like, I'm either going to become like a millionaire or I'm going to lose some money. So I ended up doing 20K and it crashed. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risks. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. And I bet you're exposed to investment risk right now. To reduce it, go to myworstinvestmentever.com and download the risk reduction checklist I've made specifically for you based on the lessons learned from all my guests. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy, and here with featured guest, Janiyad Iqbal. Janiyad, are you ready to rock? I'm so ready. <laughs> Janiyad and I met through a prior guest, and basically, I just love what you're into, and so I'm so happy to have you on the show. And let me introduce you to the audience. Janiyad Iqbal has worked with over 100 candidates, many of whom have gotten jobs at places like Tesla, Amazon, AT&T, and MetLife, to name a few. Janiyad brings a unique flair to the career consulting world. He is set on shattering the stigma associated with hiring people without college degrees. It's no surprise that he founded nodegree.com, a platform with job listings that don't require college degrees. Janiyad, take a minute and fill any further tidbits about your life. Yeah, I mean, I'll give a quick background. I kind of saw that colleges were just getting so expensive. I mean, there was a time in the 90s, you could major in music, you could get a corporate job and you'd be good and you'd pay very little, right? You hear the stories of people working summer jobs, mowing lawns and paying tuition. And now it's like you could get a job as a CEO and still struggle to pay your tuition. And the fact is the world's changing, right? Education's changing. We saw it this year where people were still paying full price tuition for Zoom University. And how much does Zoom cost, right? The 15 dot multiply 15, whatever the license is. And I just don't like how they're taking advantage of students, especially when it's so much easier to learn and there's so many ways to learn. And the world is changing and schools just take a long time to change. So my goal is to really assist people and kind of learn about all the different ways that they can earn money. That's awesome. And, you know, there's so many things that I thought about when I first, you know, heard what you're doing. I thought about the crazy, ridiculous inflation in education prices. And for those people who don't understand it in America, one of the things that I would attribute the inflation to is government pumping money into 100%. student loans. When the government pumps money in to people's pockets, the demand rises yeah. massively. And therefore, the universities and the colleges know the demand is there and they can raise prices as much as they want. So in fact, it is in some ways a government-created yeah. catastrophe. Definitely. It and definitely then, is. They play a big part. Yeah. So, And that aspect is the same exact thing that I saw happen in the mortgage crisis where the government pumped, they basically pushed out a huge amount of funding 
using the banks to get to issue the bonds and the mortgages. So to lower income, higher risk people as a political move, which, you know, I'm, I'm not against that. It's just that you have to accept that as you go down the risk, there's costs to that. But instead of handling the costs up front, they stuffed it back into Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And then eventually they blamed the banks for doing it. And eventually the banks did do bad things, but they were fueling this fire, yeah. which drove up, you know, brought millions of new buyers into the market and push up prices, simple economics. And here we see it in the education space. And so that's the first thing. And I go back to when I went to Cal State Long Beach, I went to Cal State Long Beach City College first because I couldn't afford Cal State Long Beach, which was $100 a credit. Oh, man, so expensive. <laughs> so I was able to pay like, I don't know, $40 a credit at Long Beach City College until I got citizenship or whatever it would be called, uh, residency in California. Yeah. And then I could afford Cal State Long Beach at about $100 a credit. And I graduated in 1989, not that long ago. Yeah. So anyways, first thing is, I really love what you're doing from the perspective of students are getting ripped off and the government's fueling it. Yeah, Number one. No, 100%. The second reason why I love what you're doing is that it wouldn't be bad if you're spending a lot of money for an education that's going to allow you to create a huge amount of income. Yeah. But that's not, that's not the case anymore. What they're learning at these schools now, that they don't have to serve the customer the way you and I have to do that because they know funding's there, money's going to come, students are going to be there. So I'm just going to tell a quick story. And then uh, this is the second reason why I like what you did. The first is, is that school is so expensive. The second reason is that I have a group of interns and I've been working with a lot of interns since it's hard for them to get jobs right now. So I've been working with a lot of interns and I ask them all the same thing. They're all just about to graduate from university, a good universities here in Thailand. Ask them the same thing. What one skill do you have that could benefit me or my business? You know, could you do, are you good at Facebook ads? Are you good at writing? Are you good at analyzing? Are you good at research? And the fact is, I would say 95% of them have no skill. They have general knowledge and almost no skills. So what you're, you know, Bringing pride back to people that may not have a degree, but have a skill is awesome. And that's the second thing that I like about what you're doing. Yeah, it's all about the skills because, I mean, you're in an industry, right, in the U.S. where it's like, good luck getting in without a degree. And I'm not against people getting degrees. I'm just against requiring it because there are plenty of some smart people in finance like one of the things I really want to push for is if someone can pass the CFA without getting a degree, I would argue that they're smarter than their degree counterparts because there are people who go to school and they can't pass the CFA. So what does that say? Like, what's, what's the point of all that school if you can't take the exam, right, and pass it? Yeah, in fact, that's a great point. I think whether it's employers or, you know, institutes like CFA, as an example, maybe we're just lazy and we just say, ah, oh, well, a degree is just kind of a cutoff point. And, yeah. You know, they don't want to review. They don't want to take the time to invest because to recruit good people, you have to spend time knowing them, right? You have to create a pipeline. You have to create ways of networking. And most employers just want to put an application, put requirements and just say, and the other thing is they want to be safe. Like, oh, this person went to Harvard. If they do bad, they're like, well, he went to Harvard. I didn't know he was going to be bad. You know, you got to create programs to identify. You got to train people. You got to retain people. It takes work. So they, mm. a lot of employers want to take the easy way out. So let's just, before we get into the, the question of the day, I mean, I'm for those people, yeah, for those people that, that like what you're doing, 
what's the best way for them to keep in touch with you, follow what you're doing? Yeah. So the best way, honestly, LinkedIn, that's where I post a lot of my content. So if you search up Janaya, J-O-N-A-E-D, you'll find me. Follow the podcast. I have a podcast where I interview people without college degrees and have them share their stories. So that's called the No Degree Podcast. And you can find them on nodegree.fm. Beautiful. Okay. So we'll put all that into the show notes. So you can just click on the show notes to go to any of those locations. And now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. So look, I'm going to counter. I did kind of know it was going to go bad. I didn't think it was going to be the worst, but I did go in, right? As much risk as I take, I also know what I'm, I have an idea of what I'm getting myself into. So let's go into the backstory. I've followed crypto, you know, cryptocurrency for a while. I originally bought Bitcoin at $34.50. Accidentally, right? A friend who's sort of into shady activities needed some money. He's like, hey, I got some Bitcoin. I called my friend. I was like, hey, he's selling some Bitcoin. It's like 34 bucks, whatever. Let's buy. And we bought 35 coins. So 17 and a half each, right? And that was during the first crash of Bitcoin. Fortunately, I saw the rise and I was like, well, this is going up too fast. It was going up like whatever, 40 bucks you know, 50 bucks, 70 bucks. Then I was like, all right, I don't want to get too greedy, right? Greed gets people. And at 120, we were trying to figure out how to sell. But that was a time there was a lot of regulation. And it was, there were a few exchanges. Mm. And we were trying to get rid of it. So we were trying to sell it for 120. But one exchange needed like a parent utility bill. We're like, oh, we live with our parents. There's no utility bill in our name. And then we went to sell it back to our friend, but he spent money on stuff. He's like, oh, I spent 5,000 at the club. I don't have any money anymore. And then we made an account and then we made the account like on a Friday, we put the ID on Monday morning. We saw that we were verified. The price shot up to 260. He's like, should I sell? I said, let's sell. And it crashed three hours later. And not because I'm an investment genius, just because I peer locked, peer locked, right? When you sell at the peak of anything, it's locked, man. Mm. Like, I'm not going to lie. And whatever that my $800 investment turned to 4K. I had to pay some credit card bills. I was like a student. I was a college student. And unfortunately, I couldn't reinvest anymore. That was when I first got into crypto technology. And then around December 2017, it started going through a boom. And I saw it rose a lot from like summer months to December. And like following cryptocurrency, I was like, all right, I can invest a lot. And that time you could buy on credit card, right? So I had decent amount of limits. I had like whatever, 20K. And I was like, I'm either going to become like a millionaire or I'm going to lose some money. So I ended up, doing 20k and it crashed you know in like a month or two right it like crashed i i had several coins two of them are basically shit coins so in december 20 that was like the time where it was like you know there's a time you you create an app and you people invest millions of dollars that was the time you created a coin and you, you just raised million icos right you got so much money back then and you could even have like a copy and pasted white paper with like typos and half pat half whatever put together and yeah so i bought two of them were shit coins and i lost in like the portfolio tracker one was minus 99 percent, and the other one said minus it rounded to 100 minus 100 percent. so it was like 5k each in those coins and so those were essentially worth but the other ones went down like minus 90 percent, and thankfully one went down only like minus 66 percent. so i still had a little 
And you know what? It was like one of those things where it's like if I invested in the right coins, I would have had like 100% return right now. Like if I just put it in Bitcoin in the regular coin or Ethereum, I would have been up whatever because at that price, it would have been around 18 to 20K. Price is 50K, so I would double my money. And it sucks because I was about to pull another move buying 10K Ether on credit and I would have been up 200%. But I still remember... And that decision held me back for two years, right? Because it's what one of those things where it's like when I went to quit my job, that 20K, that credit card debt was holding me back. And, you know, you pay interest over time. It's also like I instead right now I'm almost done with it. So I would have had like 15 to 20K in savings, which I could have used for something else, which I could have used to invest in crypto today and I would have been up. So the main thing I really learned from that was only invest what you can really afford to lose, right? I see a lot of people, they make these big moves. And ever since then, it's like, you know, I, I still invest a little, but I'm like, can I afford to lose this? That's what really guides it. Even if I know I can hit it big, it's like, all right, I'll put 500 into here because I know I can lose this. Because the other thing is I quit my job in December, I mean, August 2018 to pursue my business full time. And having that debt just made it harder, right? I, there were some moves I couldn't make, some courses I couldn't buy. And literally anything is better than 99% loss. I would have been happy with a 50% loss, right? Even a 50% loss, I would have still recovered so much quicker from. I think a 100% or 99% loss is a pretty damning. <laughs> At that point, it's a lesson. It's just a lesson. That's all you yeah. have. It's a, it's a costly lesson. And let's go through this. I want to ask you more questions about yeah, the lesson absolutely. that you learned because it's easy to say, don't invest what you can't lose. But I'd like to kind of define that a little bit because some of you, well, you know, I mean, I can lose, you know, and I'm young or I'm this or I'm that, or I, I can lose what's on my credit card or I can lose what's in my bank or what, what, what does it mean for the, for so, the person yeah, out there? No, I mean, let's, let's define it. I think it's what can you afford to lose and go to sleep at night without worrying, right? Because it's like, let's say you lost a week's paycheck. Mm. Not a big deal. But how long would it take you to recover from that loss? That's really the big thing, right? If it's going to be, for me, it's like, since I quit my job, right? Even if I was working, paying off 20K takes a good amount of time, right? If I had a salary of 20K a month, right? Even let's say it would take two months after taxes, let's say to pay it off if I, if I were cheap with my money. But for me, it's like 20K at that point, let's say, what was I making? Like 70 to 80K. That's like 25% of my yearly salary. And then what a lot of people don't get is, 25% of your gross salary is probably like closer to like 40 to 50% after taxes. So that's like six months of income. Now, six months of income, it depends on your saving. If you have like three to five years of expenses saved, losing six months sucks, but you can recover from. So I think it's like, how long does it take you to recover from it? Because it's, it depends on your financial habits. If I had kids, that would have been, thankfully I was young. So that is a good point that if you're younger, you can take the risk, but also... You got to think that I lost out on investment opportunity the following year and a half. So it's it's kind of those things that you really have to think about. So I kind of think about it's think about your income generating abilities. And that really has a big impact. And your savings that you currently have also has an impact on what you can afford to lose. So I think when you lose money, you have to be able to like kind of live like it didn't happen, like a little dent. Right. You yep. can afford like someone pinching you. But you can't afford someone like stabbing you right? yeah, and exactly. go to the hospital. It makes me think about credit cards as an example. Imagine someone that 
doesn't have a lot of savings. They got a job, so they're making an income, but they don't have a lot of savings and they, they have $20,000 credit line. Well, if you're making $200,000 a year, okay, maybe that's not such a big yeah. thing. But if you're making $40,000 a year yeah, and you got a $20,000 credit line, it's interesting to, to imagine. Let's just do a thought experiment. Imagine yeah. that we could do a survey of everybody who has invested in crypto in the US over the yeah. last two years, yeah. maybe five years, let's just say. We could ask everyone, let's just say that's uh, 10 million people. What percent of them? use their credit card, you know, borrowed from their credit card to buy crypto. I wonder how many. Well, you know, it's at least 0.1 for me, right? So you (laughs) one person right here. I suspect, you know, the the bright, shiny object syndrome of something going up like that as crypto has been going up is so powerful that I would say I wouldn't be able to guess, you know, I don't know, 5, 10, 20%. I would say at least 20 have dipped into because... And if it's even among that, a lot of people have dipped into life savings because I've read about people who mortgages, right? They took a, they took out cash advances and all that. But some people, and again, it's all timing. Some people made out big and then some people, right? Unfortunately, killed themselves, right? Because they were on the wrong side. But a listener to this could say, oh, Janiyad, you just lost. So, you know, you just sour grapes. I made money. I'm got, you know, look at my friend. He bought a new car. How do we think about it? when we're seeing people making money and they do, you know, leverage on their credit card and they paid it yeah. off and you see that winner. Yeah. But what so do people need to know? Bias. Survivorship bias. This is something a lot of people don't realize. Like I'm going to give an extreme example. Let's say 10 people jump off a bridge. One of them survives. Are you going to say, Hey, look, that one guy survived. It's all good. It's, you know, it's like the rest of them died. And then, you know, that one person goes around and says, I can teach you how to jump off a bridge. You know, well, he writes I got, a book. I yeah, survived. I sir, how All the I other survived. ones are dead. His yeah. book's on the and best then, selling. I'm a survivor. Yeah. And then they'll tell you all the technique and what they did. But really, it's just they're making stuff up. They just happened to succeed and they got lucky. And the fact is, it's do you want to be those other nine? Mm. Do you want to be? And then the fact is, it's like instead of jumping off the bridge, just jump off three steps. Right. You don't do yeah. that. So it's like, oh, if you fall, you're OK. You're not injured. You're not that. Don't take those huge leaps it's just not worth it unless you have a parachute unless you have a safety net unless you have all these other things yeah i mean i think if i look at kind of how i would summarize what i took away from your story the first thing is this idea that the way i've said it now is kind of of as a financial professional i've said in the past i would say crypto is just too risky for the typical person yeah. But now I, I've stopped saying that. And I say now, go ahead, buy crypto. But I would consider it between zero and 3% of your total assets. Yeah. And start with that. And then from there, you know, you may decide to, to get bigger and better. Now, of course, there's some people that are going to spend all their lives trading crypto behind computer all day yeah. long. You know, I'm not talking to that person, you know, have fun, do whatever. But for the typical person, I no longer say don't buy it. I would just say, and I would probably say to be safe, probably just buy Bitcoin. And if you really wanted to do it another way, you could say buy Bitcoin with 80% of your money for the other 20%, or let's say 70% for the other 30%, you split it between the three highest market value coins. So if it was Ripple, yeah, if it was Ripple and it was the highest value, but then crash, sell it when the next one becomes the higher value. 
No, I think that's good. And you know, it's funny. The position that I lost the least on was Ripple. <laughs> and you know, it's funny, but I did one move, right? So Ripple was at, it went up again. It was like at 27 cents. It went up to 60 cents. And then Ether is another coin, Ethereum, mm. whatever. And I was talking to my friend. I was like, I'm thinking of, at that point, I was like, I'm going to convert everything I have. It was like a thousand bucks. That's my t- 18 to 20K turned to a thousand bucks. I was like, I'm going to convert everything to Ripple. And he was like, I, I mean, uh, Ethereum. And he's like, nah, I think Ripple. Next day, they got sued by the SEC and I lost the 66 cents. And then after that, I was like, screw it. I put everything into Ethereum. That was the smartest move because now Ethereum went up. But stick to the bigger coins and even diversify among the bigger coins. It's like, mm. you know, because regulations really impact the prices, right? Once it becomes super regulated and it it always looks like it's going to go that way, you can easily lose 50% overnight, right? 50% yep. is just a normal crypto move. Yep. So a lot of good lessons here. In fact, I advise a cryptocurrency exchange here in Thailand and help them to stay on the right side of regulation and all that. And regulation is very tough. So, all right, based upon what you learn from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? Be careful and sleep on it and think about if you lost and it didn't go your way, how would life be? Right. I think you got to think about that because so many times we think about the Lamborghini. We're thinking about we're going to do this. We think about the positives. How would life be if it didn't go the way, you know, can you handle a 50% loss? Can you handle a 90% loss? Can you handle a hundred percent loss? Because 2020 has shown that who knows, right? You've had people who are very successful in certain endeavors and then whole industries wipe out. So it's like, you got to think about these things. So think about that. And if you can handle the 50% loss scenario, good. If you can be hurt, but be okay, 100% scenario, then okay, go ahead. But you got to think about like that. And to assist the listeners out there, I'll, I'll add two things. First of all, the first thing is that what you're also talking about is the concept of sizing a position. Yeah. In the investment world, we call it sizing a position. And just keep the sizing low until you know you get more experience and all that. Many people jump into things. But the second thing that we know from behavioral finance and just behavioral economics is that write it down. What would yeah. life be like? You know, let's just take Janiyad's advice. What would life be like if I lost all the money I invested in the crypto? Write that down on a blank piece of paper and just write down a few bullets. And if you do that, it will really help you to visualize it. And then it may help you with your sizing decision. Yeah. And that's what I did a few weeks ago because I was like, I could spend 10K. And I was like, look, if I lost, what's going to happen? And I was like, I can't afford to hold myself back another few, whatever, X number of months to recover. Yeah. I think the last thing I would also add is just the fact that for the majority of people in this world, wealth is created through business, yeah. not through the stock market or this type Very of true. what I would call you know, investment, but wealth is created through business. All right, last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? I think I'll, I'll have, I'm going to cheat. I have two goals. So the two goals are to grow my podcast listenership base. So I want to get some very interesting guests. I, hopefully I want to get some like people. I've had some interesting guests. Like I've had a UFC fighter, Demetrius Johnson. I've had some CEOs. So just to kind of get bigger podcast guests and also increase the traffic to my website because I have a decent amount of content. But I want to produce more content. So rank higher SEO wise 
and rank higher podcasts. That's really the goal for the next 12 months. And Beautiful. pay off the credit cards that I'm still recovering from. Exactly. You know, it, from the few years ago. But I'm going to definitely pay that off in the next few months. So I'd like to reach out to the listeners and ask you, do you know someone who has achieved in their life without a college degree? If you know someone who's impressive and could be a good power of example, why don't you reach out to Janayan through the show notes or through LinkedIn and introduce that person? And maybe that person could tell a compelling story. Yeah, I'd love to hear it and share it. Beautiful. All right, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. Remember, to reduce your risk in life, go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now and download that risk reduction checklist that I made specifically for you coming from what I've learned from all my guests and see how you measure up. As we conclude, Janayad, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of ASTOT's Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Yeah, don't make the same mistake I did because crypto is hot right now. So be careful. And I can't summarize better what this podcast is all about. Don't make the same mistake I did. And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our well fellow risk takers. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.